the title today is God is Gracious. And I want to focus us really on verse 1. So if you've got a Bible in your hand, um, then, or maybe Keith will put it up on the screen for those who haven't, that would be good. Genesis 21 and verse 1. Now, in my version, it says this. Now, the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Wonderful, wonderful verse. Uh, I didn't really get much beyond this verse. It grabbed me from when I read the very opening part of this chapter. Um, The Lord was gracious to Sarah. And those of you who are Bible scholars will have noticed something about that passage. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and he did for her what he had promised. Do you see? Do you see? It's what's called parallelism. It's it's a, it's a repeat, isn't it? It repeats almost the same thing using slightly different words. It, it says twice, God was gracious and he did for Sarah... And then it all talks about, as he promised, what he said. And um, very often, the Hebrew Bible uses this form of parallelism to kind of double-emphasize something. It says it twice in a, in a parallel um, poem. So let's have a look now at that verse then. It says, the Lord was gracious. Whatever, what has happened, this is the passage where finally Sarah's precious baby Isaac is born. After all the years of promise and waiting and all of the shenanigans that went on in the chapters before, finally, uh, Sarah is given the baby that she had hoped for. And I want to emphasize, this is a sovereign act of God. This is nothing that Sarah or Abraham have achieved. It is purely what God has done because God promised it. Now, those of you that are more familiar with uh, the King James Version may uh, recall, and it's always good when you study the Bible to look at different versions, because the different versions tell you something about the the multiple meanings of of the word which is being translated. Does anyone know what it says? The Lord visited Sarah. The Lord visited Sarah. Or if you read in the New Revised Standard, the Lord dealt with Sarah. Sarah. Hmm, interesting. How do you feel if God was going to pay you a visit? Come on. God Almighty is going to pay you a visit tonight. How do you feel? Yeah? I said, what's he coming for? What about, well, you can't hide anything from him, can you? Oh no, has he found out that? Oh gosh, yes. Um, and that's true, because this word visit um, has a double meaning. Um, for those of you who want to know, it's called porkad in, in Hebrew. It means to visit with either a friendly or a hostile intent. Well, that's, that's a double-meaning word, isn't it? A double-edged sword. Let's just have a, have a look at how this might have um, how it come about. In fact, when, um, in Exodus 20, when Moses uh, gives them the, the, te- the Ten Commandments, it, it says in, that I am a jealous God visiting the sins of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation, yeah? So he comes to visit to punish. 
Yeah? So when God comes to visit, and in um, other places as well, when this word is used, it means God is coming to deal with somebody. Uh, so when the New Revised Standard says, the Lord dealt with Sarah, I'm going to deal with you. Yeah? But actually, the New International Version says, the Lord was gracious. And all of those words are, are, are right. But, the, but put them together, we begin to get an understanding of what's happening. Let's think of some other places where this word is used. Um, at the end of the story of Joseph, at the end of Genesis, in, in chapter 50, um, Joseph is giving his farewell uh, speech to, to, to his uh, children and, 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 and the, the others before he goes. And he says, God will surely come to your aid. After the time... That's all right. They're very welcome. I like the contributions. It's good. Um, God will surely come to your aid. He will visit you. And in this case, he comes to help people to get back out of, uh, out of slavery into their promised land. Um, the beginning of the book of Ruth. Um, Naomi and, and her children go to uh, Moab in order to, uh, to find food because there's a famine. And in verse 6 it says, Naomi heard the Lord had come to the aid of his people. In other words, he had visited them and brought them food. So here's another thing. God turns up to help his people. Jeremiah 29. This is uh, at the end, uh, during the exile, when the people of Israel have been sent to Babylon for 70 years. And Jeremiah says, when 70 years are up, God says, I will come and fulfill my gracious promise to you. I will come and visit you to bring you back. So there we are. There's, there's another positive one there. And then in 1 Samuel 2, the Lord visited Hannah. Yeah? And what happened when he visited Hannah? You've got to keep on your toes. Yeah, he came to visit Hannah to tell her she was going to have a baby, and it was Samuel. So now, this is actually the same, isn't it? Um, he comes to visit Sarah, and he is gracious to her. You're going to have a baby. The promise is going to be um, revealed. He did for her what he said he'd do. And she has a lovely boy called Isaac. It's lovely to have children. I, I never object to children in worship. I think that's, you know, never feel embarrassed about your children. They're lovely. They're a gift of God. The question here is, when God visited Sarah and was gracious to her, did she deserve such favour? Well, the name Sarah is Princess. I call my daughter Princess Kate. That's a nice name. She was a princess, but a couple of instances, uh, she pretended to be Abraham's sister. Uh, you remember that? It was actually at Abraham's instigation. So it wasn't really her fault, but it did cause a bit of a problem. But then, later, when the promise of getting a baby wasn't fulfilled, she told Abraham that he should take her slave girl and take her to bed and, and have, a, have a baby that way to try to get round this. I'll try and force God's hand. I'll try and, um, in the words of Frank Sinatra, I'll do it my way. Um, and then, when she did have this other baby, um, when Abraham had this son Ishmael via Hagar, um, straight away Sarah starts blaming Abraham for all the trouble. Her idea, she, do, you ever, do you ever have this, men? Uh, is, it, is it ever our fault? No, no, of course it's not. Um, but she blames Abraham, 
And then she begins to ill-treat Hagar. She's jealous of Hagar. Uh, she's not a very nice person in some ways, is she? You know, there are character traits coming out here. Which she's not a perfect person. Um, so the answer to my question, um, did Sarah deserve this favour and grace of God? The answer is clearly no. Do we deserve the favour and grace of God? Did Abraham deserve it? No, he had faith, but he, you know, he, uh, he wasn't perfect either. He, he tried uh, other ways. And, um, so when, when it happens, uh, finally Sarah is blessed uh, and she laughs. She says, the Lord has given me laughter. I'm not surprised, really. 90-year-old having a baby uh, caused a lot of laughter. Until they keep you awake all night. I'm, we, we were babysitting for our granddaughter last night, but she slept like a baby, which is great. Um, and then, as Mike pointed out to us a few weeks ago, um, after uh, Abraham uh, goes to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, it, it seems that I, Abraham and Sarah are no longer living together. They're living in two different towns. So, clearly, the, the, there was something going on, there's an undercurrent going on there um, all through this. And yet, the Bible tells us God um, was gracious to Sarah. And that's what we... That's what, God is gracious to people, even if they don't deserve it. Grace is unmerited favour. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. Uh, I don't deserve it. I, I, I'm just loving being here um, in Fifehead. Um, it, it's just wonderful. The house is fantastic. You are wonderful so far. Um, um, <laughs> And, you know, um, I just think every day, well, I don't deserve this. This is great. Thank you, Lord. Uh, he is gracious. Fellow in my previous church in, in, in Devon, um, a guy, I might quote Harry a few times. Harry was a, a marvellous guy. He, he died a couple of years ago. Um, he was um, an ex-police inspector from Birmingham. And, uh, he was in the fraud squad, I believe. And uh, anyway, he had, a, he had a brother who lived in Spain. And um, his brother uh, had this quite big villa. He was quite well off. And, and all the way down the, the drive to this villa were these big palm trees. And for, for some reason or another, um, he decided he didn't want the palm trees anymore. So he got in a firm to come and quote him to cut them down, take them away. And um, so the guy came, and he looked at all these palm trees, dropped in his book, and um, he said, a thousand euros each. He said, what? That's, that's ridiculous. A thousand euros? And the guy said, well, I'm sorry, I can't give you any more for them. <laughs> so he thought he was going to have to pay to get the palm trees taken away. And actually... These palm trees were worth a lot of money because they dig them up and plant them somewhere else. So, you know, we expect we have to pay for something. Actually, God gives unmerited favour. So when it says the Lord was gracious to Sarah, uh, he gave her something that she didn't deserve. It was purely out of his sovereign grace. Trying to get the point over here today. So the first thing is the Lord is gracious. The second is this, the Lord kept his promise. He did what he said he would do. Another wonderful characteristic of God, he always keeps his promises. Um, and this is the time that he's kept it. It begins with the word now. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah 
Um, and then in verse 2, it says, at the very time God promised Abraham. When God makes a promise, sometimes we try to make it happen before God wants to make it happen. We're impatient, aren't we? You know, we're an instant age. We want everything instant, instant coffee, instant communication. You know, if our computer's slow, we get so furiated, don't we? Um, we want everything instant. But actually, if we trust God, he will do what he says when the right time is here. Now, just to put this in context, they've had to wait 25 years for this promise. So I'm going to promise you today, folks, that in 25 years, God will bless you in a certain way. I wonder if, if in 20 years you've completely forgotten about it. Now, actually, when God makes a promise, he will do it, but you might have to wait. Um, by which time Abraham is 100 years old and his wife is 90. Wow, that's trust, that's faith, waiting for the promise to be revealed. But God says he's going to do it, he will do it. He told the people of Israel that he would release them from exile in 70 years. It's okay, folks, 70 years' time, it'll be okay. Yeah? But then he says, settle down, plant vineyards, build houses, get married, you know, do, do all the things. So, you know, we don't sort of sit around waiting for him to do something. We actually get on with it, uh, but God promises. Uh, he told the people in Israel that they would be slaves for 400 years, and after that they'd be released. Okay, that's quite a few generations, isn't it? But he did it. And then finally, the very last words in Genesis uh, are, the bones of Joseph were laid to rest in the promised land. That's incredible, isn't it? That was what Joseph said would happen. And it did. Finally, they're laid to rest in the promised land. Uh, sorry, the end of Joshua. Uh, when Joshua gets to the promised land. Joshua 24. So, God is gracious. God is faithful. He keeps his covenant promises. What about us? What about our response to this? Let's have a look at Sarah and, and uh, Abraham. First of all, Sarah's response is full of joy. God has brought me laughter. The promise has been fulfilled. Abraham's response? What does it tell us about Abraham's response if you look a bit further down? A bit more practical. He's, he's obedient. When he gets the boy... He does what the law, uh, the covenant, he, he circumcises him on the eighth day. Abraham is obedient to God. And, um, and then finally, when he's weaned, uh, a year or so later, um, then there is a great feast and celebration as they celebrate the promised son, Isaac, has arrived. Then what happens to Sarah? Sarah saw the son Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham. This passage actually is all about Sarah. She is the focus of this, of this passage. She doesn't say Ishmael. She says, the son Hagar the Egyptian has born to Abraham. She doesn't even want to mention his name. In other words, not my son. And she notices that this boy is mocking. And, and, uh, and she declares... Uh, that that slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with Isaac. It's a bad reaction, isn't it? You know, she's been, God has been gracious to her. She has this child, and now she's, she's really getting uh, angry with, uh, with what's going on. There's a strong maternal protective instinct going on. 
And she talks about, um, about he will never be the heir. He will never inherit. And this word carries the sense of driving out to occupy. So if you're going to inherit, you have to drive out uh, whoever else would occupy. So that's the kind of sense of this word. And, And you can see what she's thinking. This Ishmael is going to kind of come in and and steal the inheritance from my son Isaac. And so she says, get rid of that slave woman and her son. She wants him out of her sight, out of her way. And how would you feel if you were Abraham? You've got two sons now. What would you do if one of your wives said, hmm? Exactly, yeah. They're both Abraham's sons. But, of course, they're not both Sarah's sons. This is where the jealousy comes in. She's looking at it from her perspective, but from Abraham's point. Abraham is distressed greatly. Now, this is one of the most... uh, This is a far stronger word than actually it appears in our Bible. The um, NIV tends to be rather polite sometimes. Um, uh, It it says... um, He was distressed greatly. Normally, the word distressed or displeased is used of God. And when God is displeased, do you know what happens usually? Someone's put to death. So it says God is displeased. You can have a look up in in chapter 38, verse 10, and and you will see God is displeased, and, and that person gets put to death. This says Abraham was very displeased. It's the only place in the Bible where that word very is used with displeased. In other words, Abraham was absolutely fuming. Um, He he exploded with anger um, at at what Hagar is suggesting, at at what Sarah is suggesting, that his son, his son Ishmael, gets got rid of. I don't know if you've ever been that angry, and how you deal with it. Well, anger is a very powerful, very, very powerful thing. And if we don't learn to deal with our anger, it either explodes or implodes. You know, it's got to be dealt with. Um, so, let's see how God deals with Abraham. Abraham is absolutely livid that Sarah wants to get rid of his son. Um, what is God's response? Let's have a look now uh, in verse... Here we are, verse 12. God said to him, First of all, do not be distressed. I can understand why you're angry, but don't be distressed. And then God gives him some strange advice. Obey your wife. Gentlemen, how many times have you obeyed your wife? Um, Well, God tells him to obey his wife. and In fact, he's obeyed his wife before and got into trouble, hasn't he? When, when, he, when he did, uh, you know, what, what she suggested before, things haven't worked out well. But actually, God says, obey your wife because through Isaac, your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, I've got this in hand. Your offspring are going to be through Isaac. But for now, do what Sarah says. The second thing I want to say is this. He then blesses Ishmael. Now, Ishmael becomes the descendant or the ancestor of all the Arab people. And uh, by the very way that it happened, he became a bit of a a donkey of a man. He was a bit of aggressive. He was always fighting. And and we often find 
that, uh, that that's a characteristic of many Arab races. And so it's been passed down. But, 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 God blesses Ishmael. Let us never forget that, folks. God does not discard one race in favour of another. God blesses Ishmael and says, you will be the father of a great nation. Who, who are we to tell God who he can bless and who he can't? He blesses Ishmael, you will be a great nation. He shows compassion. When the boy is out in the desert, um, he's dying of thirst, he cries, God hears Ishmael crying. He has compassion and he sends, uh, they open their eyes, they see a well and he becomes an archer in the desert. God is gracious to Ishmael too. He's just not gracious and blessing to his favourites. He doesn't have favourites. God does not show favouritism, tells us in, in the New Testament. God is gracious to me and to you. Isn't that amazing? Think about all the things you've done in your life that God looks at and you're worried that he's going to visit you. God is gracious to you and to me. Isn't that wonderful? Wow. Undeserving. God is gracious to you and me. Now, there's a lovely elderly gentleman in my previous church in Bristol. He still phones me up to see how things are going. He's just wonderful. Richard, he's 90 years old. And one of the things that Richard often says is, the Lord doesn't make mistakes. Do you make mistakes? All the time, don't we? Well, I, I, be comforted with this. The, the person who made no mistake made nothing. Okay. So you, you don't make anything if you don't make mistakes. Sarah made mistakes. Abraham made mistakes. Lot made mistakes. We all make mistakes. Our families make mistakes. Some of our family members, um, they, even when they grow up, you know, they don't always, uh, you know... They get into trouble. Like everyone in the Bible, there's not a single family in the Bible that doesn't have trouble. You know, we all make mistakes, every single one of us. But, what am I going to say? The Lord is gracious. The Lord is gracious. Even when we mess up, the Lord is gracious. That's, that is good news for me, and I hope it's good news for you. And if you were to ask me what is the most, if you like, important verse in the Bible, okay, there are lots of them you could choose, I would usually say Romans 8, 28. It says this, In all things, God works for good together with those who love him. That is a possible translation which I happen to prefer. In all things, in other words, in every mess that you have created... You know, think of old Laurel and Hardy, you know. There's another fine mess you've got me into. Yeah? Some of you are too young. Um, <laughs> whatever mess we've got into, in all things, God works. It is God who is gracious, God who is sovereign. And why does he work? For good. Who with? Together with those who love him. He does not abandon us and say, you've messed up, bye. You know, you are the weakest link, Goodbye. He doesn't do that. He works in everything, and he is gracious. 
that's the lesson today. And if we can learn it, it's a lesson for Sarah, it was a lesson for Abraham, um, it's a lesson for us. In the midst of our mess, God is gracious.